Hey there, Shahir here, and I wanted to give you a few notes about this episode before we got started. First up, there's a lot of fantastic film scores played on this episode, and I had such a great time finding and researching those scores that I thought it would be a shame not to share the Spotify playlist that I made. There's over 120 tracks on that playlist, which is about seven and a half hours worth of music, and you'll be able to find a link to that in the show notes for this episode. We'll also post it up on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, but if you're listening to this and for some reason can't get access or find that Spotify playlist, email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod and we will find a way to get that to you. In addition, I wanted to send out a special shout out to BK Rewind, who really was the inspiration for this episode after a great Instagram thread that she had put up about fantastic music in movies. Unfortunately, because of some technical challenges on our end, we weren't able to get her on for this episode, but rest assured, we will piss to her to join us for a future episode down the line. In the meantime, you can look up her work and support her by going to patreon.com forward slash BK Rewind to get some access to some fantastic video essays that she's creating on YouTube about Hollywood history and the role of women in Hollywood. And with that, enjoy the show. What is up, Internet? We are Sex Mabom, and we're here to watch Scott Pilgrim kick your teeth, and my name is Matthew Kroll. And that's not quite my tempo. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically not a specific film. We're doing a special today, Shahir. We are doing a special today because today is a special day. And Matt, do you know why today is a special day? Uh, is it day 1001, a Space Odyssey quarantine edition? I'm officially the besmirched partner in this relationship because today, Mr. Kroll, is our anniversary. Today oh my gosh. is our five-year anniversary, and I thought I should introduce oh. another person into the relationship. Oh, so I, Keep it spicy. <laughs> Keep it spicy. I like Keeping it. Thank it you spicy. for this lovely gift you've given us. Uh, just as a side note, it is five years to the day, approximately, approximately. <laughs> that, that we started this podcast, and wow. it has been a delight every day since then. But I thought because we just introduced a new theme song last week onto the show, yes. uh, and you would have heard it at the start of this episode as well, today would be a great day to kind of talk about one of my favorite subjects on the planet, which is music in movies. And to do so, I am thrilled to be joined by composer, musician, music editor, most notably for a local New Zealand filmmaker by the name of Peter Jackson, Stephen Gallagher, whose many credits include The Lovely Bones, District 9, The Hobbit Trilogy, West of Memphis, and many, many others. Stephen, welcome to the show. Happy anniversary <laughs> to you both. What's, what's five years? Is that, what is that, copper or tin? Or what, what are you... What's, what's apparently it's paper? apparently no. it's decibel because that's what <laughs> yeah. we're doing. Decibel. Uh, <laughs> so that yeah, Stephen, right. thanks so much for being here on oh this goodness. momentous day. I am I am um, beyond honored. It's it's very nice to be here. It's a big pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, of course. And when when Shahir brought this up, when Shahir brought up the 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 idea of doing this uh I, this episode about about uh music and film, I admittedly was very daunted and i and i was i was like because i i can believe me i can bullshit about a lot of stuff i feel like music <laughs> is one of the things that i truly cannot and i was so excited when he mentioned that you were coming on because i was like thank god we're going to have an actual musician on the podcast we're talking about music 
<laughs> you know, Matt, that, that's amazing. I, I think with as far as talking about music goes, I, I don't know. I've, I've always felt, especially for music and film, and um, perhaps this is not a view shared by everybody, but I feel like there's no real correct way to talk about it, you know? Like, I feel like we could talk about, especially when, when, when you're working with directors or you're working with people on making a film, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been my experience that a lot of directors and um, uh, filmmakers, producers feel uncomfortable about talking, you know, with anyone or a composer or a music editor about music um, because they feel like, oh, I don't know the terminology. I don't know, you know, I don't know how to talk about it. But I, I really believe there's no proper way to do it. I think the the way that the filmmaker wants to talk about it is the right way. For example, if they say, you know, I feel like this music should be more polka dot <laughs> or this music should be more you know velvet wallpaper or this music should be more autumnal like those are those are absolutely valid expressive descriptions of of, of what music can be um and if a filmmaker sits down with me and says you know I, I think we should have three crotchets in the opening bars and they should be sort of like you know part of a pentatonic scale and like i, I think talking about the nuts and bolts of music doesn't help anyone get or f- doesn't help filmmakers get closer to the music that they want to have in their film. I, I really believe, you know, talking about music in, in any way, uh, well, a filmmaker should really feel that they are free to talk about music in any way they want. And part of the fun for me is trying to decode exactly what polka dot means or what autumnal means. And mm. um, y- y- we're all human beings, right? So the one of the things that we have in common is that we understand, or broadly speaking, we understand emotion. So, you know, if someone says, you know, I want the audience to feel sad or I want them to feel elated or I want them to feel a, a dense sense of angst with overtones of ecstasy. I mean, Mm -hmm. those, you know, those are things that we can sort of go, Oh, okay, cool. I know how that feels and I can relate to that on an emotional level. And that's really valid and great, you know, pathway into understanding what the filmmaker wants from you. Um, I guess the only time that you really, want to talk about nuts and bolts and crotchets and quavers and music is maybe when you're standing in front of an orchestra that that's a good time to do it because if you're up on the stand and you're like guys guys great take can we just try a polka dot one next you'll find like you know all of a sudden a hundred people looking at you going what the (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. well i mean that's that's very relieving to hear uh because on on the on the youtube channel that i work for we have a composer who does all of our um a wonderful composer named tiffany roman that does all of our stuff and when i communicate to her about like what i want for these for the for the series that we do i speak literally probably exactly i'm sure i've said polka dot at one point and i always feel odd so it's comforting is is what i'm saying in your response to that fantastic steven you and i have actually worked together before and i and i actually there's one thing I said to you once that has haunted me to the day, to this day. (laughs) I was young and I needed the money. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Because I said it and I realized that what I said made no sense in terms of like the language of how to communicate to a composer. But, but what was, well, at least that's what I felt when I said, as soon as I'd said it, but you actually calmed my nerves down and actually, um, actually qualified what I'd said with a sort of 
you know, an elegant response as you're doing well, right now. And funny. actually, you know, fulfilled what I'd wanted in the film that we were working on at the same time. But it was it was a really strange thing because it's the exact opposite of what I think I love about movie music now. But but at the time we were working on a short film. That's right. Um, it's a beautiful film. And, and I think I, I think the thing I'd said, and I, I've always remembered it's weird that I'm saying I'm remembering the thing that I said, but I'm remembering <laughs> it because I felt like I said the wrong thing. And that was I I said something along the lines of I don't want to hear the music here. I want to feel the music here. Yeah, no, I remember that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was just this weird thing which was like because I because I realized as I walked away, I was like, what a load of crap that is no, to say. But, no, but, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, it's funny. I remember that conversation and I remember thinking when you said it, it was like, I get I get what you mean. And I for me, when when you when you said that, if it's the if it's the part that I'm thinking of, I yeah. felt like you were meaning that you wanted it to feel intimate and you didn't want, you know, the score at that point in your film to be uh you know like chest beating or kind of heroic or or large or 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 you know putting a f a, a hand in in your face and 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 keeping your your distance from what was going on on screen to me it felt like what you were saying is you wanted to feel it it was like you wanted to get you wanted it yeah. to speak but you wanted it to do so in in kind of a quiet voice um, at least that's that's the way I, I kind of. You see what he just did? you see what Stephen just did there, which is exactly he translated what my my horseshit statement into, into <laughs> yeah, something he made completely it sound like usable. you knew what you were doing is what it sounds like, uh, yeah, which exactly. is lovely. Which is, uh, I hope you can bring that energy like to this entire before. podcasting experience. Um, <laughs> because uh, Stephen, after five years, uh, we don't we don't know we don't yeah. know. <laughs> So, Stephen, I uh, we wanted to do this episode specifically about mu uh, music and movies because I feel like it's an area that is the it is the 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 spirit and soul of every movie that we that we watch, but something that we very rarely pay direct attention to. And I think we wanted to not just rectify it, but also just kind of enjoy the idea of finding movie uh, music pieces hmm. that we can kind of talk about in isolation to sure. the movie itself. Right. You know, um, primarily, we are always talking about the movie and then the music is kind of secondary. Mm -hmm. But I, I was curious, um, you know, for you personally, as you know, working in the industry, um, was there a point at which, I mean, obviously I think you're, you're incredibly musically talented and you have probably have had music thank in your you. blood your entire life. No, but was but, there a point uh, when, thank you. That's really nice. Uh, when music, when movie music in particular kind of caught your attention, was there something, a you know, an album that you, you mm -hmm. when you saw the movie, you were like, I have to buy that album. I have mm -hmm. to listen to this without yeah. the movie. Yes. Was there anything like that that happened to you? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, when I was um when I was really like young, um with really little, uh my family and I lived in Tokyo for uh 3 years and the very first film that I saw uh was a surprise. Um my 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 parents one day said, "Oh, we're going out for a walk." Uh and being a, you know, petulant I think I was maybe like four. It's <laughs> like, why are we going out for a walk? <laughs> and they they wouldn't tell me. They were just like, we're going out for a walk. And then we were in a part of Tokyo that I don't, I don't, I didn't, wasn't familiar with. And we turned into this building and went into a, a cinema. I'd never been into a cinema before. And I remember the film starting and us sitting in this room. And it was this incredible like exciting magical feeling and i remember it the first film was the the original superman movie so this would have been late oh, 70s yes 
So that very, you know, that opening heroic John Williams piece, yeah. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, just the way it sounded as well. You know, I never heard anything yeah. sound like that film sounded. Um, I think I think it's a, it's a testament to it's something that we don't really qualify, but but to me, uh, something that's consistent in every movie that I actually deeply love is that the symphonic qualities of the movies are of that movie will will be just as well conceived as the visual side of it. And absolutely, it's, it's it's kind of like a it's a it's a really good litmus test to see how well considered a movie usually is, is how well considered the score is. And that yeah. it's a John Williams score, right? The, That's the original a John Williams score. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 The original yeah. Superman score is yeah. Incredible. iconic in every way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and left a really deep um, uh, impression. And yeah. uh, so that was the first one that I remember just, just being really moved by and really uh, transported by as well. And really be- bewitched, I guess, um, and seduced by, you know, it's it's such a, an amazing world. It's like, I, I want to come back here. I want to see, you know, I want to see this again. Um, and the next, I guess the next one, uh, the next film that I really remember, the music. So in the early 80s, you know, before the internet, uh, New Zealand was uh, quite far behind what was happening in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, so quite far behind London, quite far behind America. Uh, so the films used to come out, I don't know, sometimes months later. And the film I remember really loving, uh, it was like eight, or was a film called Breakdance, which was kind of like a low-budget oh, sort yeah. of genre film. Yeah. And there's this book okay. in it, and um, there's this piece of music in it. I mean, it's not scored. It's all of, well, I don't remember the score at all. I just remember the the, the tracks that they used. And majority of the, the tracks were there so that people could dance to them, right, just and breakdance. And there was some amazing... Uh, sequences but one sequence i remember was this the character called turbo comes out of the store at night <laughs> with a broom and they play craftwork um tour de france and i've never heard craftwork before right. and, and and there's this magical sequence where this guy's dancing with a broom to tour de france and it's electronic it's really like incredibly rhythmically exciting sounding music and this guy just just these kind of beautiful dance moves to this incredibly alien computer-like music that has i don't know the 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 soul of it's almost like the soul of james brown but with machines um right and that was magical i just thought that combination of like machine and 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 person moving was was so elegant so beautiful yeah and then the next film that i really just changed my Two films actually that changed my the way that I looked at film. Uh, one was um, a film called Drowning by Numbers, which was uh, by a guy yeah. called Peter Greenaway. Yeah. And, Peter and, Greenaway, yeah, yeah. And the reason I, I came home like half out of my head one night <laughs> at high school, and um, that was on that was playing on television, and I turned it on. It was like one o'clock in the morning, and this film un, un, unfurled in front of my eyes, and it, and it was just it was life changing because. I just thought film up until that point was just car chases, explosions, and 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 heroes, you know, 
and seeing that film, seeing this film not dealing with any of that stuff, but just creating this incredible world, great sense of humor, the kind of the fun and games, the score, it was, it, it was just life-changing because all of a sudden I thought, oh, this is what film can be as well. Then a couple of months after that, I saw Vigil, which is a New Zealand film yeah. made by a guy called Vincent Ward. And Vincent, yeah. that was the first New Zealand film to ever be play at Cannes, I think, or yeah. be accepted yeah. as Cannes. And that film's like just incredible. And and to tie that into the person who scored that film, his name is Jack Body, who is an incredible, was an incredible composer. He was my, uh, he became my um, professor, my lecturer when I studied music at university. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's funny because yeah. uh, I was a projectionist uh, at Victoria. We, we both went to Victoria University, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we and I would I would run that print of Vigil uh, every other <laughs> week for oh film class. God. And I didn't actually realize Jack Body was at Victoria University because I guess I I was in the film department. and This would be the music department. Or was he in the film department? As no, well? he was in the music or, department. But department, I mean, he had yeah. friends in the film department. I, I bugged him so many so <laughs> many questions about that school. Like, how did you do this? How did you do that? So that, I mean, I'm sorry, that's probably a long-winded answer. No, to no. <laughs> well, one of the things we do like doing uh, on the show when we have a guest is sort of getting into their, uh, for lack of a better term, like film skull. And, you know, we're, we're talking, we're, you know, we want to know, you know, not only what sort of moves you in, in what drove your professional career and, and your craft, but also let's even go further. Let's even go outside of that. Sure. You know, lately even, let's just go yeah. with currently right now, what okay. films... Uh, are you into what that you've seen you know yeah. a couple years time oh last couple of years okay the one that the one the film that i just finished like a couple of days ago uh was a film called this train i ride uh it's by a french okay. um uh filmmaker and i i came into it because of the soundtrack actually and the soundtrack's done by warren ellis and um yeah really yeah, yeah. Nick Cave, right? no uh, just yeah. just warren ellis he just he's, oh, he's okay. doing this by himself and and the reason i came to it was because so it's a really long story but there was a you know how the, the, the tv show called devs is, it came out yeah and the soundtrack yeah, to devs yeah. is amazing and on the first of may the devs soundtrack was released and i got it and i listened to it and i loved it and then i heard a podcast with the two guys who are behind invader records who released that devs album and they were talking about their love of soundtracks and it was a great interview and they're, they're so passionate about um you know scores that they love and getting getting those released to a wider audience and they mentioned they they were working with warren ellis and they i think they mentioned that he was working on a film that he he scored he he wrote the score and recorded majority of the score on a train and i was like right. what the f i gotta hear that so <laughs> yeah. I, I listened to the score and it was just it was honestly <clears throat> it was so beautiful i i actually i was listening to it on my way into work one morning and ah man i um i just it was so beautiful it was just like this massive ray of light and it had been a bit of a rough time you know like quarantine uh, the whole whole covid 9 experience in new zealand has been 
has been, you know, comparatively pretty great. And we've been really lucky. There have been some pretty dark days, though, and I wasn't yeah. in a great frame of mind. And just hearing this, man, I was honestly just like in tears. side of the road and I was listening to this going this is just so beautiful I'm so happy this is out there so I wrote an email to Warren Ellis and just said look I I'm just I'm at the side of the road and I'm just listening to your music and it's incredibly beautiful and it's just made me so much happier it's pulled me out of this really dark place thank you so much and then I got to work and I checked my phone and he, he wrote back <laughs> that's great <laughs> and, and, and yeah. um he was awesome. He was just really cool. And like, you know, he, 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 um, he was just talking about how the film was really great. So, so I checked out the film and, and the film is amazing. And, and the soundtrack, right. he was talking about how he wanted to make the soundtrack on a train. Cause he spends, you know, he spends a bit of time on trains traveling around yeah. and it is, it's just, yeah, it is a beautiful soundtrack. And that's, so that's, that's the last thing I think that was uh, the, a couple of days ago. I checked that out and it is, Truly beautiful. Um, no, his, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to well, say. We, we want to hear you. We don't want to hear me. Oh, yeah, I don't want to hear you here. I can remember. I've heard it for five years, Stephen. <laughs> five years I've dealt with this. You got away. I'm here. Uh, well, you okay. Oh, no, with with that, yeah, yeah, I will go. just say, Warren Ellis's score uh, with Nick Cave mm. on the assassination of Jesse James. Oh, that's great. I think yeah. it was one of the most yeah. beautiful yeah. film scores I think I, I, you know, it was one of those mesmerizing. Yes, and it was it was a moment where you kind of felt like the the score magically had, you know, you could listen to it in isolation, and it mm. could apply to any facet of life, despite being yeah. specifically written for this yeah. period, you know, Western, you know, but yeah. it felt like in, in, eternal. And I, 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 I agree. think maybe that's that quality that you have when you're listening to something that yeah. that kind of speaks to your life, no matter where it's where it is. We were, were lucky enough to work with Nick Cave and Warren Ellis on a on the, their score to um, a film called West of Memphis, which Peter produced. Mm, yeah, and uh, Nick and Warren were working in in uh, in London, and it was a really interesting process because they had seen the film or they'd seen parts of the film, and they were just making you know they were they were working together making music not too directly to picture they were making music inspired by what they'd seen and i guess their conversations with amy and then they they you know they were sending material to us to sort of edit together and i think that it's kind of a remarkable thing about that um firstly i feel like the the music that they make for for, for that film and and you know that, that warren made for um you know this, this train i ride and and those two as a unit it seems to me that they make music based on the visuals they see and the music they make is designed to be, it functions as it's, the structure of the music functions on its own um, validity. It's yeah. not, they're not trying to hit scene cuts. They're not trying to hit, you know, any kind of hit points in a certain pictorial sequence. They're just making the, the music that, they, that they're inspired by, by, the, um, by what they've seen or the conversations they've had. And I feel like their music lives 
It stands up on its own two feet outside of the film. It stands up on its own two feet and then so it, it, they find the way in to that film's landscape. It, it feels like it feels like there's nothing compromised. I know that sounds mm-hmm. terrible. I don't, and I don't mean to say that, that scoring and hitting hit points is, 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 a, is a compromise or a bad thing. It's just a different approach. Yeah. And they don't compromise what they do and how they've made music for many years. And they're very smart. They work well together. And they, on every film that I've seen that they've scored, there's, there's a humanity. Is that what I'm looking mm. for? Yeah. There's a direct, like hotline to your yeah. heart and head um and i think that's that's a pretty incredible uh, ability they have a an aesthetic and they have a incredible musicality but they're also great storytellers and i think mm. um yeah and especially with the, the this train i ride i think i think it's a great score uh and and we've been lucky enough to work with like a lot of composers who've come down to work you know um or had them work come through Park Road. And every composer is different. Every composer has a, you know, different way that he or she approaches their respective craft. Um, and mm. they're all valid and they're all great. And interestingly enough, I started uh, lecturing at, um, at one of the tertiary institutes. And through, through doing that, I've rediscovered a lot of scores that I kind of, I, uh, I might've missed the first time around, or maybe I'd, I'd listened to and admired and just forgotten about. Um, and so, so I guess one of the ones that's been really huge recently, which you'll probably laugh about because I guess everyone is, is the matrix, the first matrix film, Don, right. Don yeah. Davis's score for that. Yeah. So I was giving a lecture, uh, on, on, um, uh, the opening, opening part of the lecture was about, uh, that scene in the matrix where it goes down the matrix. He take, you know, he chooses the pill, and that stuff starts growing on his arm and yep. yeah 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 and there's that, that mm. where the camera goes down his throat and that the voice changes into digital like kind of uh-huh. early 90s pitch shifting and i was playing that and when you, you know he wakes up in the pod and as i was explaining like going through it i was just like man the soundtrack's incredible and then i went back through this the soundtrack i went watch the film again listened to the soundtrack album i had an intern at the time from victoria university named george smith and he kindly mm. bought me the entire score. Um, oh, wow. Which I went through and studied. And it is, I mean, it's a towering piece of work. And I, I feel like when The Matrix came out, perhaps the, the story, the visuals, you know, were the things that grabbed people's attention. And those are amazing things. And the performances sure. are amazing. And I feel like the score wasn't given the same degree of uh of of appreciation that it deserved it is it is a monumental piece of work one of the things i wanted to do actually during this conversation was play some pieces of music that we discussed and you've actually kindly provided us that particular score now you sent me the entire track and i and and, and, here's the thing with everything you sent me me the entire track yeah (laughs) and what i tried to do was go through them and find the most iconic pieces of that track oh okay kind of hear just a single snippet of it cool and see if we could identify it so steven we get to judge what shahir thinks the most monumental (laughs) moment of the music that you sent him is (laughs) and it's funny because Exactly the thing you said was that I hadn't 
recognize the genius of yeah. this particular track until right. you sent it to me this afternoon. And there was one thing that I heard in it, and I was like, it's so amazing that this single instrument is doing all the work <laughs> to create the entire leitmotiv for this entire yeah. entire yeah, piece yeah, of music. And I want to play it right now, right. If, if you guys don't mind, and just, oh, no, and just see if we can, I mean, you, you'll explain it right away, but I, this is the piece that I pulled out from okay. there. So good. So good. I love it. So good. Such a short piece, but there's that one instrument, uh, and it's in the horn section that's doing that that long, elongated, and it's isolated on its own. That sort of. Is that cool? I'm trying to think at the moment that plays, or are there multiple? Because many times throughout the through the entire film, but that is that sound to me was like, oh, that's the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. long isolated horn, and instantly in the midst I pictured of the orchestra. I pictured the the scene, and maybe it's not even from there, but for whatever reason, it brought this memory back of Morpheus uh, ripping himself out of the chair and jump and like jumping out the window to the helicopter. Like, oh man. I love that piece. Uh, I, I don't know if that's at that exact moment. I'll have to check that out. I, my... I think it's just, it's that horn that yeah. kind of, I think, repeats itself over and over and over again yeah. through the entire trilogy. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Wait, there's you, other, mo- it, no, there's only one Matrix movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's I a agree. shame they never made any sequels. They, they never made, the made any yeah, more. What would be like? I mean, you know, yeah. it's a great thing that, uh, yeah. Um, I think what I saw a vodka <laughs> commercial that looked like a Matrix sequel, and it was really long. So, uh, um, I mean, anyway, for you, for, for, for you, Stephen, what what is it in like? If we wanted to actually get you know a little technical here, sure. What is it in that piece of music mm. that kind of stands out to you as being oh, okay. somewhat um, iconic? Yeah, for me, it's like it, it reminds me of like the later part of the twentieth century, the language and the and kind of what we loosely term modernist music, you know, mm. and. Why I love this score so much is because it builds a world that supports the story. And if you think about the story of The Matrix and you think about the world, right, in broad terms, Guy discovers he's living in an illusion created by computers which are controlling the human race and using them for batteries. He goes through um, (laughs) kind of like a... uh, almost like going down a rabbit hole like with with Alice in Wonderland through the the looking glass to, to what is reality. He's going through a you know a computer uh it it's just like what is this world what does this world sound like the um the language that don davis uses throughout this score builds a builds something that works on an emotional level in terms of you know neo's journey and the 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 incredible adventure that he has but it also supports the world that we as an audience are introduced to. Surprising, sweeping, terrifying, uh, in some cases alien. And also for me in that film, like the way that, that time moves, you know, the way that uh, those amazing sort of epic shots where, you know, like time seems to slow down and then, you know, contract yeah. and, and uh, uh, um, rarefy and, and, then, and then extend that's what I feel like Don's score is. It's kind of this fluid character which sort of bends and contracts yeah. and, and pulls us and pushes us, not only emotionally, but our sense of how time uh, moves in this film. And it's just, it doesn't sound like any other film score I'd ever 
really heard. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't really sound like it doesn't sound close to like Beethoven or Wagner or or any of the you know the um, the late the romantics or the the, the the classical composers that were you know a lot of uh, epic film scores have their roots. You know, um, it sounds like it's from this half of this of 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 the twentieth century. It sounds like the language is is being spoken in you know like um, like John Adams or like mm. you know these kind of composers who worked in the contemporary instrumental world you know close to the end of the century and it's 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 just such uncompromised beautiful terrifying and masterful writing it is um it is and the, oh, I think the brass writing and the percussion writing in it is just extraordinary. It, it's also the the impulse in that the impulse for that film to do something that was electronic and percussive. That's a good point. Is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. really like yes. resisted in yes. that score. You know, yes, like if you think right. about contemporary films around that period, yeah. that are all playing with the reality bending. You know, like yeah, the film that I kind yeah. of think about is uh, Fight Club. That came around oh, very, good, very close to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, true. And it true. has the the Dust Brothers do the, yep, do the yep, score, but it's yep. incredible. You know, it's an electronic score yes. that has sort of hints of orchestration, but yeah. pr- pr- primarily an electronic score. Yeah. Yet The Matrix, which is a movie that's kind of fed entirely by the sort of fear of technology and technology being the sort of backbone of it all. Absolutely. The, the score is kind of a classical, big adventure score. But in and even ways. with all, yeah, yeah. And even yeah. in all that, it, like in all of the ways we've just described it, something that's always really gotten me about The Matrix uh, score is how seamlessly... Yes. It integrates yeah, in the film, exactly. not yeah, only yeah, to yeah. the film itself, but even to the, the other, like moves. the actual, yeah, the camera <sighs> yeah. moves, yeah. but then also the, the actual, cause there's a few, uh, more, I'll say soundtrack things than the score itself in the sense of like, there's like the techno, there, there are a few yeah, techno that's right. tracks, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, yeah. Boom, yeah. Boom, definitely boom, like whatever. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the, <laughs> the way that it actually feels like it's in the same, like, uh, world or space, is, yeah. yeah. I, I've always been amazed on how, like, again, it is, it is using classical instruments in, in very, very new and interesting ways. Yeah, but the yeah. way that it is able to integrate itself, b- both styles of music mm. that it's trying to do, yeah, and it's always... using it's using those techniques that that are kind of more commonplace in the in the end of the twentieth century, and it's yeah, it's a strong, yeah, I guess broadly speaking, modernist kind of language, and it's. It's just so effective and hearing it harnessed for such an incredible film score and so successfully. I just, I mean, I, I hope wherever Don Davis is now that, you know, he's he's comfortable and he knows that he's just yeah. done great things and he's put great yeah. stuff yeah. out into the world. And thank goodness that we live in a time to experience it. It's, I mean, yeah, an astounding, yeah. astounding score. So, so, Stephen, one of the things I kind of wanted to gear this conversation towards was this, you know, and it's purely anecdotal on my part, but I've, you know, thinking about film scores that I love and, and you know, it's it, the interesting about this is how different this was to when we were working together where I wanted something completely naturalistic. Um, and the way, the way I think about film scores now is that the thing that I actually really love is film scores that are big, bold, mm. brassy, that sit cool. on top of a film yeah. that kind of feel... You know, like they give that film that symphonic quality yeah, sure. where 
you're not it's sort of beyond watching a movie yep. anymore it's kind of like going to the opera yes. um and <laughs> you know and but then yeah. there is this sort of shift that i think is happening with a lot of the big name film scores so you know the, the film scores are kind of typically dominated by a few single names yeah. you know we probably count them on one hand and it's the, Zimmer, the john williams john the, yeah yeah you know, yeah. Uh, yeah hans yeah. Zimmer, um you know a handful of names that mm -hmm. kind of dominate that field yeah but you know i think maybe the film that maybe turned the tide uh against that was the social network and the fact that it had oh yeah cool right uh, a, a fairly Atticus Ross and electronically and... you know yes yeah, score yeah. The, the Trent Reznor yes. score yes and some of the writing that I've been sort of reading about film scores now is that the the sort of the tendency is to think about film scores less as a as a piece of music unto itself, but more as a sort of embedded soundscape within the world. And the the artist that I kind of think about in terms of, you know, who's done that really effectively and, you know, rest in peace is Johan Johansson. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. um, with his score for Sicario. Yeah, and, Sicario's amazing. Uh, Mike, yeah, Micah Levy for um, Under the Skin as well. That's incredible. It, Holy shit. Yeah, but it, it, She's these, are, these are scores that feel much more like soundscapes mm. as opposed to scores. Mm. And I wonder in, in the world that you're working in now is the sort of, you know, obviously mm. it's anecdotal and it's, it's sure. dependent on a movie, you know, whatever the movie uh, you know, yeah. is trying to achieve itself. Yeah. But is that sort of sense of like, we're moving away from the sort of John Williams approach to something, you know, something entirely different where we're seeing those scores sort of embedded more into the world in a sort of much more, I guess naturalistic way, but like not sitting on top of the movie, sitting inside the movie. Mm. Yeah, it feels like the palette of of, uh, of of film score is expanding, uh, doesn't it? And and you know, for for a long time, you know, the, the people were always talking about hybrid scores and how you know we take the orchestral and the electronic and we mix them together. And a lot of you know, there was a lot of talk about that. I think very few people have actually designed a score, a hybrid score that is actually successful and 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 uh elegant and integrated um yeah i mean i i love the fact that there's a an expansion in the way people think about how music can operate it doesn't necessarily have to be an orchestra you know this fixture of film and, and opera mm. you know that we've had in our culture for um <laughs> a know, long time a while now but but i i feel like film as a language is still a relatively young language. Um, I feel like it's storytelling, yes, and storytelling goes back to when, you know, when we first emerged. Um, and I think storytelling, storytelling evolves, storytelling changes, the, the, the medium of storytelling, you know, the mediums of storytelling changes and evolve. And I feel like uh, film is getting, you know, it's developing and it's, it's getting, uh, getting older it's been around the block a couple of times now and um <laughs> it's yeah I, I love the fact that that for example like when you when you mentioned under this um is it under the skin under the skin Nico yeah Levi's score to that is extraordinary and i love oh what's the one was it jackie did she do that as well yeah she did oh jackie which is much more harmonic that's mm. got that sort it's, of beautiful it's nah, harmonic nah, nah, yeah but nah, but she does nah. some things on that score which i remember just going oh it made me feel really um yeah oh and and what it, for me what it was was kind of building on what you're on what you're um on what you're talking about is like you know her, a lot of her the sounds that i've heard in the scores are kind of feel sort of synthetic 
And I love that mm. she takes things that almost, you know, start off in some ways being recognizable, like a string or something like that. And then she does things with these sounds to mess with our perception, like the strings just, just like sustain for longer than a human player could do it. Things bend and move in unusual ways. I think she's brilliant. And um, I, I love the way that she puts together textures and, and gestures um, to support a film successfully. I think it's really incredible. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of, uh, not only film is changing, but music's changing or has changed as well. I mean, if you look back over the last, say, 100 years and, and just music um, and and how we engage, perform and, and color the music that, 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 uh, that we make, that's, that's gone through so many changes so quickly. I mean, um, even how we ingest it, right? And, like, and even yeah, beyond, absolutely. Yeah. Totally, totally. So yeah. I feel like it's natural that, you know, filmmakers want to try different you know alternatives to having an orchestra or having you know like acoustic instruments um playing in mm. a in a kind of formalized european sort of uh sorry broadly speaking european kind of um uh, medium i feel like uh playing with sound and texture and 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 color and gesture is 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 something that's always appealed to me in in, in music so i'm i, I guess there may be I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to call it a trend or anything like that. I just think it's it's film is is growing and expanding, and the and the palettes with which composers are drawing on are expanding as well. And I love the fact that you know, like we we're talking about, Warren Ellis sits in a train with his laptop and makes yeah. a score for a film. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. love the fact you know that he's recording maybe on his iPhone. Like yeah. I love that. I love the fact that because because really what it what it is is no matter whether you're using an orchestra or whether you're using, you know, a modular synthesizer, it's really, what does the film need? What does the film want? And how are you serving the film? That's really yeah. what's important, right? And even beyond like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do this because I do this all the time, beyond movies, uh, like the way that music has been integrated in like things that, you know, shorter form stuff like television or yes. even in the in the yes. video game world yeah, yeah, has yeah. been, has been, Fascinating. I mean, yes. I, this, so like the examples of those I use that I always go to is um. And actually, you brought up you lived you were you were very little when you were in Japan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Yoko Kano. Yeah. Right. Are you familiar with with <laughs> yeah, yeah with her? Yeah. I mean, she did she does the the a lot of the cowboy bebop. Uh, she's a composer for yeah. that, which which literally is the soul of that entire series. And then sort of on the other end of the spectrum, the thing that I, I think of the most lately, at least, with video game uh, scores, and it's like film, like some some really utilize it and some don't. The last yeah. one that I actually bought the vinyl for was the 2016 Doom game. It's by oh, a composer really? named Mick Gordon. And it's like the most intense oh, heavy yeah. metal. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. No, I've heard it's, this. It's beautiful.
So the, the score yeah. itself, like you're listening to the score, this metal score, it's wonderful. Yeah. But even the way that like in games we can interact with 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 music, yeah. the game when you play it, you're running through and it's calm and it's low notes and it's it's things like that. And when you get into a battle, it on the fly in the correct tempo will like ramp up and like it's just the the, the live I don't know if it's mixing or or live editing really yeah. that you can experience something that like you are. The, the music yes. is driving it's you, you. That's uh, correct. and yeah. that is something that's fascinating too. So it, it's, 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 it's amazing, great. isn't it? it? Again, what you said really struck home with the, like in the last hundred years, like yeah. think about, I mean, cause what that in the, in the twenties you'd go to mm -hmm. a, I mean, a concert perhaps mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. the, was the gramophone. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if we so think like, about if we think about how music has changed and how our, our experience of music has changed, you know, we're really talking about the I guess the late uh, late nineteenth century, right? So the the yeah, electricity yeah. and uh, um, and then the ramifications of hey, electricity. We can harness this as a power source. What does this mean? Um, you know, the development of recorded music and playback. You know, that's 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 uh, world altering uh, hugely. Yeah change um and then you know these inventive instruments the telharmonium the the, the synthesizer the theremin all developing the language of harmony changing immensely um pop music rock music um a lot happened in a hundred years it was it was yeah <laughs> Well, I actually, I, I, this is purely by coincidence, but I actually have a quote from alice uh talking about the fact that you know like i think the the sort of the trend that they had they'd sort of um, identified it as much more experimentation in in bigger mainstream films. So a much more sort of a sense of uh, experimental film coming into, uh, experimental film ideas coming into play. And uh, uh, Alice, who uh, suggests uh, that it's a perfect storm of technology and circumstance, stuff that was marginal <laughs> is now accessible. Yeah. This right. is enabling people who are normally on the fringes to get on board, which is fabulous. But mm. Alice does acknowledge that the tonal shift is palpable. One thing that has changed is people are not just looking at the score as creating emotion. People are making effort to create character with music. Yeah. And I think that's a sort of interesting, you know, I, I think, you know, like we, we both talked about Superman, you know, that John yeah, Williams score, sure. that beautiful sort yeah. of, it, it just feels like it exists on its own. And it's, yeah. it's such an identification of character. Yeah. But no matter how much technology has changed, that's the thing that's remained the same. To the point where like, you know, the first reboot of Superman, yes. the, the yeah. uh, Brian Singer yeah. version John, I think it was John Ottoman who was the editor of the film, who's also a composer. Yeah, he's really you know brilliant. basically re repurposed that entire score, so it was exactly the same score. Yeah, because it's such a uh, an iconic part. But then, you know the 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 latest, The Man of Steel with Hans Zimmer, mm. and I think Junkie XL might have. Yeah, Junkie. I think Junkie uh, Junkie was involved in that one as well. Yeah. Hopped in on that. Yeah. You know, they sort of turned it into this like uh this mm. sort of percussive drum beat mm. and um, and listen and it we, was like that we can only guess at what the snyder cut now will have <laughs> for its score yeah. i mean it's done but it also needs uh a yeah. year and 30 yeah. million dollars but it's done yeah. it's done it's yeah. good as done you know it's, it's, it's <laughs> just a oh well, it's I, I hope score... in my pocket i, I <laughs> you know you know what's funny about about that the whole snyder verse just to take a small digression <laughs> is is to say that the 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 most amazing moment in Batman v Superman yeah. is not the is not the appearance of Wonder Woman, but it's the score that accompanies Wonder Woman. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. If anything, it, it it sort of 
reached the levels of Williams's uh, iconography for a character through music. That's a that really good point. That sort of was like the thing. Yeah, that is like kind of amazing. That's the only moment that I get hyped in that film. And but but weirdly, weirdly, it's enough. It's like it's like they took all the hype that should be in that movie and they put it in one moment, and it hits you so hard that it's so incredibly effective. The Wonder Woman score, the current Wonder Woman score, is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, with that, I, yeah, I mean, that we, good, all, yeah. we all kind of. Yeah, it is. It's an amazing <laughs> piece of music. And, and he brings it back. He brings it back to the format, even though I try real hard to de- right. derail us. Well, no, I, just, I do think that that particular score is incredible. One of the things I really wanted to do here is just get us to throw in a bunch of different scores and kind of just spitball about what we love about these particular scores and i and i I, you know both matt and i have brought things to the table here but i really am interested in the list of music that steven's brought here and and things that you wanted to share with us in terms of music that you loved and kind of just why you loved it and you know it might just be the fact that you just love the sound of it yeah 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 no Um, the sound definitely has a big big thing but i mean there's this there's examples of of films that i love the sound of but i don't think the score was very uh, um uh, elegant or effective or just mm. pulled me out of the film but i love the sound but i didn't love it with the film um with the film yeah there are there are examples i haven't included any of those in this list though because <laughs> i'm really curious as to what those might be oh um, but can yeah. i play oh no okay no go no, no 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 we don't need to let's focus on the positive my friend <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's keep on. On. Yeah. come on we're all give us a little we're all, we need positivity no, no, no. <laughs> I want to play you this first score, cool. uh, which uh, you sent us. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of these scores. It's a movie I've seen a few times. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the artist that direct, you know, the, the filmmaker behind this film uh, in in different contexts on this podcast. I, I just want to play it before saying what it is yeah, okay. and just seeing how we kind of feel about it yeah. before we know what it is. Okay. Guesses from Matt. I mean, obviously, um, uh, Stephen and I know what it is. I mean, I'm playing it. Right, that's Chinatown, right? The China- that is Chinatown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. Sorry, I, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know the names behind it, but uh, I do. I do recognize that as the Chinatown score. Nice. Yeah, it's, it, it's so funny. It is. Iconic. Yeah, it's so recognizable. Yeah, and it's so sexy. Oh, it's, it's really so strange. <laughs> so good. Oh man, it, it's like it's sort of like cheesily sexy. But then when I think mm. about the movie and I think about that that theme. I kind of go, no, this is actually perfectly attuned to what that movie is trying to do in terms of like the attraction between these two characters yeah. that shouldn't be attracted to each other it, necessarily. It's not cheesily sexy because the only reason we have even that remote gut reaction is because other people have tried to pull off something as good as that. And yeah. that comes off as cheesy, and we've heard yeah. those more times than this. Definitely. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, this is the birthplace of of what people are uh, trying to get across that then become cheesy. But this itself is just sexy. Yeah, I agree. And it's also, I mean, it, it's such a beautiful score, but it's so unusual. I mean, I think it's the, um, why I like it is because, well, I mean, I, I think I could have chosen any Jerry Goldsmith score and, and you know, be, be 
in awe of it. This one, I think, I like because when we listen to that love theme, you know, it's an iconic and beautifully written, but it's it's kind of like encased in this sound world that's really, if you think about what the film is, it's a really weird orchestra or mm. a really weird ensemble that, that Jerry Goldsmith put together for this film. Iconic and beautiful, and, it, and it's like a beautiful bespoke outfit for, that, that this film comes out into the world, you know, resplendent in. Um, I love this. I mean, I, I love the film, but I think the score is so heartbreaking, beautiful, mm. but it also has a very... I don't know. It's, it has like a dark heart to it that I really love. It's got it's got a real it's got a real sense of uh, disparate nostalgia mm. to it. Like the, there's something about where it feels desperately, you know, sad about yeah. the time that has passed. Yeah. You know, and that yeah. and that's what that film is. But that sound, that you know, that horn, yeah, that kind horn of just makes me thing. feel that way. The other thing there's, that I, I like about with, it is with that, that in mind, I also yeah. oh sorry, no, 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 I was just going to say it's just such a weird like I don't think. He had very long to write that score. I don't think he was originally the, the Jerry Colesmith was originally the composer booked to do that film. Uh, mm. It's my understanding he had like less than two weeks to do the final score. And oh wow, he I think he came to them and said I, he watched the film and then said, "Look, I have an idea and, <laughs> and I'm I'm going to write a score for what was it? Um, something like I think it was like f- four pianos or four harps and." the solo trumpet and uh and then and then and strings as well which kind of a weird grouping of instruments yeah and and it is it's this really i don't know it's this 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 kind of this fragile bruised beauty in a very dark core of of unusual instrumentation you've just described faye dunaway's character in that film right right yeah 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 you know like yeah. that's literally that's what she is uh, it's um, it's such restrained writing as well i reckon you know it's it's yeah. yeah i think it's i think it's a masterwork and um and yeah that that love theme is extraordinary it's so tender yeah. but it's not syrupy it's 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 tender mm-hmm. yeah i feel like it's a bruised bruised tenderness you know and yeah and, uh, there's some uh, darkness <laughs> there's some darkness in there yeah matt i really what? i really think there is and and <laughs> i it just doesn't put a foot wrong the entire film uh you know um i feel like the music is looking through what we see into the hearts and the minds of the characters you know so speaking of the the hearts and minds of the characters this is another piece that you brought that i really actually wanted to bring along but i you know i sort of set these foolish limits of uh of tracks that we could bring and this oh. one that eventually didn't make my cut. but i was like i was so happy to see it on your list because i was like oh great we can talk about this now foolish really limits talk foolish, about foolish limits he's limits. producing he's, <laughs> yeah. he's making a, a thing otherwise we talk for five hours which would be enjoyable would, for us i would be happy to do but but, but for our listeners yeah. uh which maybe they would be i don't know email us in only movie podcast at gmail.com we didn't do that up top uh, <laughs> we did not, but so i want to play this particular this particular track and I think it, it's it's pretty instantly recognizable. It was sampled by a major pop star, uh, you know, as recently as five five or ten years ago. Oh um, yeah, so that's just right. listen to this particular track. And I want to talk about this artist because I think this particular artist's work is characterized by some of the things we hear in this tra- yeah, in this uh, single, totally. you know, forty Absolutely. second uh, okay. sample of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Here we go. Thank you. 
Oh man. So good. So good. You, well, Matt, did you recognize it or you didn't recognize so it? So I recognize, I like know the tune, I know the yeah. song, I can't tell you what it is from. Like so it's I, from it's it's from Vertigo. It's Bernard Herrmann's it score for Vertigo. Thank you. And I think the reason I wanted to talk about that is that as 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 far as the quality of music goes, you know, like in in movie scores, I think you know the 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 the, the sort of governing idea among many is to like create a motif that repeats itself and you know kind of occurs over and over and over again. Sure. The thing about Bernard Herrmann's score. Scores across all his movies. We're talking about Psycho, mm -hmm. Taxi Driver, mm -hmm. Citizen Kane. You know, even the Twisted Nerve score, um, which which you know became famous a few years ago because of Kill Bill, is that his scores transform from like melody to madness mm. within a single bar. You know, mm. like they, and and that's what that it, it that's terrifying to sort of melancholy to madness. You know, the the score for Taxi Driver is the same way, and it's this. I don't know of anybody else who does that, you know, like where the score is, can be one thing in one moment and completely the other thing in the next moment. He, he was, uh, yeah, he's just unequivocal. Um, that, that language it's, I, I actually, um, I, I, this one is, is one of my favorite film scores and I had the great pleasure to have the opportunity to see it perform live a couple of years ago. Oh, so did I. I actually, uh, I saw it in San Francisco performed live. Oh, what a place to see it. Yay. I know, exactly. I saw it right where you could walk out and you could actually see the bridge and Oh everything. my God, that was amazing. <laughs> I, I saw it in the San Francisco of New Zealand, Wellington. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, uh, the NZSO did a, uh, a live uh, score to to the film and it was just yeah. extraordinary. What what brilliant, brilliant writing. A man know the rooftop opening sequence that chase along the rooftops jimmy stewart's yeah. character looking down and the and the you know <laughs> you know the, the the floor seemingly coming up to meet him his terror um yeah and at the same and yeah you're right the same at the, in the same hand not only can it go to madness but if you think about the kiss that famous kiss where the wave breaks mm. over the rock the score yeah. around that area is equally just you know beautifully delivered not syrupy not not kind of you know stabbing your heartstrings just like just which he could which elegant. he could do you know like he's a you know the, he's the the author of probably one of the most famous scores in the history of cinema the the yeah, psycho yeah, yeah. The, the, the psycho shower scene is his you know is his sort of addition to the world of film scores that like cannot be cannot be measured in any way i loved i loved uh, the, the the nzso did too they actually did the psycho and they did vertigo like i think uh, mm. on the same either on the same night or you know one after the other on, on consecutive right. days but for me it was vertigo that i really wanted to see because as much as i love the score to psycho the bigger canvas of the of a, of a larger ensemble for vertigo just meant that you know you could see all the detail and the and the elegance across strings winds brass across the you know the, the 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 wider spread of players and um my goodness what a what an amazing amazing piece of work um i and it's interesting isn't it that piece of that opening piece it's not horror it's not it's but it's deep you know that just that it's it's oh, scary though it's it is scary like, yeah you're not, not horrific. When, when you watch that film you're not sure if you're watching a horror movie yeah or a romantic horror. film yeah. at any point you're not like you're never sure but I that's see. the thing about being scared right there's there's being that's scared 
Mm -hmm. And then there's being like, there's an intrinsic sense of like internal horror. Like it's the yes. difference between like the, uh, like an ax murderer and uh, an eldritch horror beyond space time yeah. that's coming to consume us all. Like there's like, there's, yeah. there's a very big difference. And I think that's what Vertigo sort of hits on is that like, yeah. I'm not scared. I am highly unnerved and I don't exactly know why and yeah, that's unnerving. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, so it yeah. definitely works on that level. Oh, that is, that's a and really good way to put it, Matt, I reckon. Actually, yeah, that's great. It is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's at this, uh, unease and uh, uncomfortable. I, I, wanna, I wanna just rock through a few more of these because I, I, sure. I just love hearing these and kind of hearing your response to them, but you know, obviously cool. you selected them for us. Well, actually I'm looking one. at it and I'm just going, I, there's one more that I, 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 I was jokingly gonna put up, but I didn't. But I do. And that was. Oh, it's actually um, the the main theme, the the fanfare to um, Police Academy. Because I love that. Tells you everything you need to know about the movie, the orchestration, the melody. It is so great. Anyway, but because because comedy, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to do. Yeah, telling telling basically the audience that they can enjoy what it is they're watching. Yes, you know, like and feel relaxed about it while doing it with an orchestra is kind of difficult. and and not doing it in a tongue-in-cheek way, which is incredibly yeah. hard in its own. Like, for yeah. instance, like, I, while I was researching a lot of stuff for this episode, I came across, I was doing some, like, soundtracky research, and it was, like, the top 10, I think it was Ashir might have provided this link, but the top 10 most overused songs in cinema. Oh. And one of them was uh, Kung Fu Fighting. Right. And because oh, when you hear right. Kung Fu, yeah, everybody yeah, was Kung yeah, Fu yeah, fighting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, like, it's... know, like, oh, okay, something silly's gonna happen, and it's okay that something silly's gonna happen. That's not the same thing as the police academy thing, which is not, it's not like allowing you to laugh. It's like, I, I don't know if it's like, it's not saying like, okay, now you laugh. It's yeah. like inviting you to be yeah. able to like let go enough to laugh, which Absolutely. is a very a nice feeling. I And it's I also, it's, it's made up of the, uh, it's made up of the actual instruments that, you know, like, a police marching band exactly. yeah, it is. Uh, using. So it's but kind it, of like it's using got a that slightly language. kind of clumsy feel to it. Yeah. But it's it's yep. what's what's what I love about it is it's, you know, triumphant. You know, at first when you listen to it, it's like this triumphant, but there's something about the way it's written and orchestrated and played that is like you makes you realize that the triumphant feeling you get is only a kind of a thin veneer and you and below that is is some <laughs> i think it's some silliness ridiculousness it's great well this this next one um i i think was really fascinating because it is um it's basically trying to give language to the unimaginable and and i think the fact that it actually has become iconic and i think we'll probably recognize what it is uh, when we play it, is kind of amazing the fact that oh. this is trying to imagine a world that nobody has actually fathomed before and done well before we actually understood it. We've reviewed this film on this podcast, but I'll just play the piece of music yeah. and see see how we respond to it. That's a good introduction. I think I can guess what you're about to play.
Oh, it's. I mean, if you guys, uh, Matt, you you know what that is? I mean, or? that's that's the witch, is it not? No, it's good. The, good, it's the, uh, good guess. Good, good guess. Real good guess. Good guess. Uh, it is the the sound of the obelisk in two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey. Weird. My yeah, brain yeah, yeah. went straight to the scene at the end of the of the the, the, yeah. the, the, the witch. Yeah, the, yeah. No, no, where they're all really in cool. the woods. Could, yeah, it could yeah. it could a hundred percent play in that sequence. Mm-hmm. It is the, the obelisk. Yeah, it's um, really interesting because I think what. What the ob- it's it's interesting to think about what the obelisk is supposed to represent and the way that the shape of the obelisk yeah. is sort of deci- you know purposefully uh, difficult to decipher. It's just this cube, uh, yeah. you know, like a rectangle. We don't yeah. exactly know what to make of it. The but this soundscape <laughs> is is meant to give us the sense that we're, and it's it's essentially yeah. like you know a lot of readings. However you read the film, it's like is, yeah. is it knowledge? Is it yeah. the you know uh, the heavens kind of opening up for man? Is it aliens? Whatever it is. This kind of gives you that sense of power and terror at mm. the same time. Mm. My God, it's uh, full of stars. My God, yeah, it's, it's full, full of stars. <laughs> That's right. It's full of stars. Yeah. Oh, and this God, is the sound of, of the stars. Yes. I, I, I think um, this is an extraordinary soundtrack just, you know, uh, and, and shows once again Kubrick's extraordinary idiosyncratic music tastes and how they served his um, visual aesthetic beautifully. Um, yeah. This piece, uh, because I guess I was, uh, when I first saw 2001, you know, it was a period, I don't know if, if maybe you guys have had it as well, if, you, if you're interested in a certain genre of film, you try and find other films that kind of adhere or pertain to be part of that genre. And so as a young kid, you know, I watched um, Star Wars and a whole lot of science fiction films because I love science fiction. I was like, this is great. Um, and then for some reason, I remember, you know, at the video store getting 2001 A Space Odyssey. I was like, great. It's got a spaceship on the cover. It's about space. <laughs> it must be great. So I played it and I was like, I think I was about like maybe 10 years old at the time and just watched it. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, what? What is this? Well, I don't get it. I'm, this is the worst science fiction film I've ever seen. Where's the shooting? Where are the explosions? Where are the... And then, you know, you see it again and again and... and um. I, it's a film I come back to often and just continue mm. to marvel at that that piece of music I remember seeing 2001 again on the on the on a on a really big screen I think it was like a 35 mil print or it was a beautifully was it at the embassy yeah embassy it was at the theater? embassy yeah. yeah they they played a 70 mil print for me 70 years. that's, no, that's right. where yeah, I saw yeah, the 70 oh, that's, that's I remember yeah. that and I remember I was studying at, at, at music school and you know Leggetti who's the who's whose music we just played uh, you know, one of one of my favorite composers as well. And I remember just re-looking at the use of music specifically in that film and thinking, it is extraordinary the way that this filmmaker has used Ligeti's material to as a as a thematic idea for what the monolith could represent. And so what we're hearing, right, is a hint we're hearing human voices. So in some ways we can relate to it, because okay, it's human voices. But the mm-hmm. harmonies is all is all kind of really close and sort of you know discordant and it's really unnerving. It's really terrifying. Even though we know what what you know, it's not an alien sound. It's a sound of human voices. This thing coming towards us is accompanied by human voices. We should be somehow relaxed or or, or <laughs> you know a little less at unease about this. But we're not. It's terrifying because it's speaking directly to us it's like this unknown presence it's a scary 
mist of of harmonies clashing together it's like white noise in some respects we can't we can't pick out single lines and it's like too much for our brain in some respects it's like ah you know it's too mm. much to too much to try and process we can't hear the individual parts we can only hear it as a whole like you know like when you hear rain on the roof it's just like this explosion mm. of this cloud of sound and i love that he did that i love the way it's used throughout the film and i think mm. I, I i mean there's a story i guess you probably told on your podcast about how Ligeti didn't know that <laughs> kubrick <Yeah>. was using <laughs> this um yeah but at the same time, it probably introduced his music to a wider audience than maybe it would have enjoyed um, on its yeah. you know, own amazing merits. Um, and I, I guess they must have come to some arrangement because I guess the last film that Kubrick put out had Ligeti's music Ligeti in it. Ligeti's music, um, yeah, yeah. The Eyes Wide Shut, that yeah, little piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's extraordinary. And I think it just has a... Um, it's funny, isn't it? It sounds that piece of music to me sounds very old and very new at the same time. It sounds ancient, like it's always existed, like it's just mm. timeless. Like you know, after the Big Bang it happened, that piece of music suddenly. F- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the sound of the universe, and it's yeah, just expanding. You know, yeah, um, and I, I mean the other the other one that I was going to choose was um, was something from uh, The Shining. Yes, the bum, 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 yeah. Bum. Well, actually, part of part of me, I love the way that Kubrick uses music. I, I I love you know all his all his films, and I read this really interesting theory about about uh, someone was looking at um, The Shining and saying you know one way to look at this film is that Jack and this is broadly me kind of paraphrasing Jack's sure. like Jack's like the avant garde. And he's killing all of the old guard, but the old right. guard like look at what he's doing, and they're like, "You're crazy, you're insane." But Jack's the avant garde. He's like the new art. He's new kind of thoughts, new art, and he's his his presence is growing, and you know, taking down all of the all of the all the tenants, all the pillars of 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 what people used to consider art. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting theory, and I thought you know, um, with the music that they they put through it, um, that it that it maybe that explanation had some some merit I, um but regardless kubrick's taste in music in film has always been extraordinary you know i think uh and and uh i have you ever listened to the alex north score that that came out uh, i think in the 90s there was a it was a release of it which is the original uh, no. score to 2001 before they oh yes before they before yeah. they attempted yeah. they took the actual other scores yeah yeah i have i've read about it i've never heard it it's it's available you can you can find it it's i mean you know alex north is a, an amazing amazing composer um it's the film i think i'm 
I've never actually sat down and tried to sync up the cues before, but maybe I should yeah. do that. Ah, but yeah. it's um, or or yeah. have you done the Pink Floyd uh, the Pink Floyd version where you uh, <laughs> the, the famous stories you can sync up yeah. uh, Pink Floyd's the is it the Wall the or wall. another album? Yeah, I think it's the Wall yeah, to, to, uh, uh, to, to two thousand one. Apparently, I thought it was the Wizard of Oz. I thought it was the Wizard of Oz too. Maybe we should try two thousand and one. I'll give that a it's shot. It's all it's all you know. Good joke. I want to um I I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I want to do just two more. One from Matt and one for myself um to kind of get you to respond to other things that we're we're thinking about as well um uh and this is one that uh, matt you chose and i have to admit i obviously know the composer and 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 you know love his work but this is not a film i've actually watched many times um and so i'm really curious steven whether you recognize it or whether oh, it plays yeah. for you because it did not play for me the okay. first time i heard it Wish John so first off, yeah. First off, I yeah. I think she was about to say the same thing. I wish you could all see. Uh, I wish you could all see that. Stephen <laughs> Stephen uh, was was not only air drumming and then hitting the synths at the right time, and it was it was quite beautiful. Uh, yeah, I I um interpretive dancing so, is I, uh... yeah. I, I um I love. Uh, the film Escape from New York. I love John yeah, Carpenter in general, Me too. but uh, Escape from New York is the reason why I even ever got into media. And the more I I really e examine that film, there's so many a like facets of it that that is sort of the reasons why. Like at first, when I was younger, I'm like, oh, it's like a action movie kind of. But like it's it, for like yeah. for the sensibilities. I mean, it's a year older than me. It's mm -hmm. slow. And but I still was drawn to it, and there's a lot of different reasons. But then you know, over the course of the years, I I honestly think, and especially thinking about this episode, it was the first time I noticed the music a score. Yeah. That I mean, I'd noticed scores before. Again, like Superman, Back to the Future, like you know, like just things like th th I understood that, like, oh, that's this, that's what the that's the score of the film. I get yeah. it. But yeah. This was the first time where I felt like the score itself matched the general conceit of what the film was trying to yeah, do at least yeah, for, for yeah. not that those other films don't do that but this is the first time i noticed it yeah and it's yeah. it because it's like you know it's it's groovy it's got its synth mm. parts and etc yeah. and so it's got that like okay badass action guy sort of thing yeah but there's a real defeatist yeah sadness <laughs> like beat Yep. Nothing yeah. you do matters, but yeah. you're going to keep moving forward to yeah, it, which is intrinsic yeah, yeah. To, to Snake Plissken's journey in the film. And like, I don't know. I, and I've, I mean, I've now, I love all of John Carpenter's uh, scores, yeah, exactly. but I've, I've seen him in concert now at this point. Mm -hmm. I saw him in Times Square. He oh, was touring. He was touring with his son and his son's band that played all of their songs. And like the stuff would come up on the screen, like when the fog came on, like the fog oh. came into the thing. Like there was a, it was a real cool experience. That sounds so, amazing. Oh my it goodness. It was very, very fun. So Matt, how uh, old were you when you first saw that film and, and, and had that experience? 
I was too young to watch Escape from New York. <laughs> I was, but, but let's see. So I saw it too young, but I would probably say I was maybe, when I first started getting things like that, I was probably around nine. Yeah. And did you get like a, uh, a video, a VHS tape or a beta tape or something? Yeah, like that? it was definitely yeah, a, a yeah. tape off of a of a TV yeah. thing. So like, you know, I bet you parts were cut out and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah. But that was one of those VHS tapes I had till I was like 13, 14 until I could actually get it on my own, like an actual thing. Like I burnt that tape, like just from the play. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and, and yeah, and I don't know. It, that that was always something that 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 spoke to me. And I think it is because it it, it has such a connective through line to exactly what the film is trying to sort of say yes um yeah i don't know i i, I, I agree it's like a really nice one. way to put it actually it's really it's there's something that's yeah what is it um some kind of futility when you listen to it yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah i mean this is a dude i mean the movie's about a dude that society has ostracized and forgotten about after service that then is conscripted back into doing basically a suicide mission and there's nothing he can do about it and you're just <laughs> like oh god yeah uh and it does it does feel very futile uh so that's a very good way of putting it I but yeah that was my pick that was I my that was that my sort music. of my first one that i i really realized could that that the score could do something like it's that so good uh, oh man yeah. so there's there's two that I kind of Ugh. wanted to play, and I'm and as we've been sitting here, I've just been thinking which one should I play. I'm, I've got to pick one. Be? I could I could pick I could do both because they're both fairly short. No, you but... pick one. You pick your favorite, <laughs> and you but I'm gonna for, pick, you I'm, delete I'm, the other one. <laughs> I'm gonna go with this one, right. which is from a movie I saw on Netflix when I first arrived in uh, arrived in New York, and it was a movie that had played at the New Zealand Film Festival, and I just hadn't gotten around mm -hmm. to seeing. Mm -hmm. And when I saw it. Um, on Netflix on my t on my little forty inch TV, my 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 mind was blown and I was just filled with regret for ha not having seen this movie on a big screen, because this score is much 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 bigger than this film really is. Yeah, like this okay. this this film is really about two people falling in love. Okay, and. The score is about the basically about the world changing because of that. Mm -hmm. And I weep every time I hear the score and I weep every time I see like I will just dial up this scene on YouTube and just watch it every <laughs> now and again. Um, but I wanted to play the score and, and you might recognize it, you All might right. not, and I'll talk about it. It is a repurposed score, so it is yeah. it wasn't written for this film, yeah. but it's uh, appropriated onto this film. Okay. Uh, and this this uh, what I just want to plant in your head is the moment I'm playing you, which is just a 30 second clip is for basically the resolution of the film, which is again is about just a person kind of making a decision, a single choice. really tough to isolate that like just to find the part because the essentially this movement of this of this part of the score is really like four or five minutes mm -hmm. and this track is you know 10 to 10 or 11 minutes i don't know did, did you recognize it steven or did you, did you know what it was is it john it's john adams right it's a it is john yeah adams, i don't yeah, i don't Hammond, oh okay right it's it's um i think I've, i can remember the picture of the film 
Yeah. On on the f- on, uh, when it came to the New Zealand Film Festival, I remember the image of it, but I don't remember what film it was. It's, um, it's uh it's Luca Guadagnino's film I Am Love. Oh right, and, okay. And this the the movie is scored wall to wall with John Adams oh, with music awesome. like that. But it's a movie about this sort of wealthy family in Italy trying to decide how to deal with succession and one of the you know the the wives of the of the wealthiest person in, in Italy kind of deciding that she's no longer in love with her partner oh, wow. and has an affair wow. and and you know I don't want to spoil the movie but essentially it's about her making a choice and that the the ending of the film is one of the most heartbreaking things because it's basically got this enormous soundscape on it you know like this huge massive score oh. dealing with this person kind of like making a single choice and it's just, this I, it's one of those times where I was like, this is a movie that's driven entirely by the the what we're hearing uh, as a you know uh, as yes. well as in 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 symphony yep. with what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And right. I, I just kind of I weep every time I think about this moment. Um, and it's just such a such a huge moment. The other the other score that I kind of wanted to play that I think is is iconic. Everyone's used it. If, if, I joked about it. We we talked about it with uh, with Chelsea White this afternoon, which is that huh. every student filmmaker has used this piece of music, and I'll, I'll play it for just ten seconds. Oh, you get two now. I see how yeah, it I'll, is. I'll, I'll, I'll play it for ten seconds because everyone will know what this is. But but I you know I just think this is such an iconic piece of music. So that's Clint Mansell. That's I think it's the Cronus Quartet performing it, and it's the part of the soundtrack from Requiem for a Dream. Um, yeah, absolutely. slash and every student used... film from my freshman year. Yeah, yeah, every exactly. And it's this sort of piece of music that you put over any kind of shot, and it and it, it <laughs> automatically makes the film look better and feel more expensive. Um, it's uh, well, the, the 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 great case study was that it was used in the Lord of the Rings trailer. Yes, the yeah, the Two Towers the, trailer yeah, had yeah, the, yeah. a reorchestration of that piece of music, and it and it you know it was amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's just it's such a. It, you, like you say, it's an easy piece of music, but it's actually kind of a genius piece of music as well. Um, in that, it's like a yeah. I, the feeling I get from that is a real deep sense of yearning, oh. like painful yearning. Yeah. And I think that's why it works on Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, and that's why it works on Requiem for a Dream, and why it, it works probably in every student film. It has a very nice <laughs> forward momentum as well, you know. And I, it's yeah. interesting you chose that John Adams piece because I I, I I I hear a lot of John Adams in the Matrix score. Like I hear like a lot yeah. of influence. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not sure if there was or not, but there's definitely language that's shared between the, the some of John Adams' music and and some of Don Davis's score in The Matrix. It feels like they're operating in, you know, in the yeah. on, on the same um, in in the same they're in the same neighborhood. You know, um, wouldn't it be amazing to make a film and score it to John Adams? You know, like have John Adams score your film? Oh, I think yeah. that's kind of uh, just incredible, a, an incredible thought. Yeah, <laughs> or Don Davis for that matter. Really, he's um, or Don Davis. Yeah. Or um, any of the I, people we've talked about. Any of the people yes, we've talked about. Yes, or, or someone yes. we're talking to. Uh, this Not you here. A, yeah, <laughs> there he is. Matt. No, <laughs> this has been a delightful conversation. Thank you both I so much been, for having me. And I, happy anniversary I, I to you both. 
Oh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much, much Stephen. You were the best gift Shahir's ever given me. Oh, my that goodness. Is that is oh, true. That is, that is, I uh... noticed I don't have a gift, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I'm real busy. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think quarantine Karen... blues. Uh, Stephen, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you both. Uh, and look, thank you so much for coming on board and spending pleasure. some time pleasure. to talk to us about movie music. Thanks for having um, me. We're, I feel like we could have taken this conversation for another hour or so, but I, I don't want to keep you for too long. No but where could people find your work? Obviously, you oh, work on uh... these huge films that everyone has seen. Uh, where can people find your personal work as well as oh, the, you know, the, uh... the giant scores that you've worked on? Uh, I guess I have a, uh, so if you look up Stephen Gallagher on Bandcamp, I try to put all the scores that I've worked on um because most of the stuff that i compose for kind of indie you know indie movies uh, mm -hmm. uh yeah so most of my stuff i don't i don't have a record label or anything like that i just put everything through Bandcamp. um uh if you look up stephen gallagher nz that you should be able to find everything you need and uh yeah um I guess you do the Twitter, the Twitter I machine do, yeah. at all. What, or... What's my Twitter handle? I, I you know, I, I'm so <laughs> actually, you just, you, uh, you I just, I just, each other during this call. We did. So, uh, so uh, I have it at Steve G music underscore music. Is that, is that me? That's the this, one that shows you how much. Why am I, why am I, why am I telling you exactly? This? <laughs> why is that? <laughs> but um, look, I mean, uh, the other thing is if, 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 you know, you want to email me, it's, um, I'm, uh, I, I'm happy to, uh, to, to, to write back. And if you've got any questions, I'll do my best to answer them. And, or put you in touch with somebody you can. <laughs> um, so I mean, after yeah. Warren Ellis uh, responded to you, you kind of owe the world back a favor. Now the fact yeah, that you were able yeah, to email yeah. Warren I mean, Ellis, one. And he you owe one. Yeah. You owe one. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shahir, <laughs> so, when you're not telling Stephen his Twitter address, where can folks find you? You can find me uh, and all my work on a single website at www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are not trying to escape from New York, where can people find you? I apparently cannot. That <laughs> I am stuck here for the foreseeable future at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and PSN, and of course, Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at the Extra Credits YouTube page. Lots of plugs. Yay. <laughs> this has been fun. I, I love that we Gentlemen. did uh, an episode about no movies. This yeah. was like a Seinfeld episode. Oh. It was an episode about nothing. <laughs> but oh. in <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jerry. Yeah, we uh, did it. Uh, look, listeners, Matt, you can also yeah. email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com to tell us about your favorite film scores or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Um, Shahir, Matt, thank you very much indeed. Gallagher's work. It's been such a pleasure talking with you both, Matt. It's really, really nice to meet you. Uh, yes, Shahir, it's nice to meet so you nice too. To, to, to talk to you after you know a couple of years. <laughs> I hope you guys are both well. Look after each other. Look after your families and friends. Um, and uh, look, I hope to see you in New Zealand sometime or in New York sometime. Um, yeah. Be well. Yeah. Take care. And, and please, you. any anytime you want to come back to talk about music, to oh, talk anytime. about a film, yeah. to, to talk yeah. about how your day has gone. It has been a delight. Oh so literally any so topic you'd like, uh, well, please come back and chat you. with us. Thank you. I'll put you in touch with my friend Lisa Ovis, who's a horror filmmaker who's made this film called Puppet Killer, uh, which came out All last right. year, which, yeah, it's uh, it's. <laughs> It's great. It's hysterical. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> it's like We're a in. horror comedy. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, you'll love it. I like it. All right, everybody. All right. Well, until next week when we do something else, because who knows? It's quarantine time. We could be doing an episode on anything.
Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll talk at you all then. It's uh, yeah. N- next episode is uh, macrame. History of macrame and music across the across the ages. Ooh. It's done. <laughs> I don't even know what those words mean. Yeah, I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> but now we have to research it. <laughs> Thanks, chaps. Hey, Bye. Bye. Bye.